Thank you for joining us for the Way Lithia Weekly Podcast. We hope that this message will help you to see your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. How's everybody doing? Is that a for real woohoo? Or is that a, hey, I really don't want you to know what I'm going through today, so I'm just going to tell you, I'm all right. Any of y'all ever do that? Yep. You just really don't want to get that involved? People ask you how you're doing, and you're like, oh, I'm all right. I'm okay. I think everybody knows me long enough to know if you hear that from me, it's probably because I just don't want to say what's really going on. So if you hear that from me, don't prod. Um, so I want to talk a little bit this morning. I'm going to hang out in, in Matthew chapter 15. No, 13, not 15, 13. That would be another message. So I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about what is in your field. What is in your field? I think it's really interesting that in the Genesis account of the creation of you and me, we're made out of dirt. Would you agree? He says we're made out of dirt. Well, what do you do with dirt? You plant stuff in dirt. Look at there. Good, good to go. Put it in wounds. <laughs> you put it in wounds, yeah. Rub some dirt in it. Uh, so, in Matthew chapter 13, I want to start at verse 3, and I know that everybody has heard these scripture references a lot if you've been in church a while. So just pretend you've never heard them before. I'm just kidding. So we're going to start at Matthew 13, and I want to start at verse 3. You should be there by now because I rambled on enough. It says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower, behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell on thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and others fell on good soil, yielding a crop some a hundred some 60, and some 30. And I've talked about this before, but I just felt the need to reiterate some things that maybe some haven't heard. But he starts off with some fell on the road. How many know that roads already have a destination? They're already going somewhere. Nobody gets on I-4 without knowing you're either going to Orlando or Tampa or somewhere in between. Somebody's been there before. Somebody already made a road going there. Why did they make a road? Because a lot of people were already traveling there. See, when seeds fall on your pre-existing roads, they can't do anything. Because you've already got a determined mindset where you're going 
and what you're doing. There's no place for a seed on a road. There's no place for a seed on a road. See, we get these predetermined ideas, and I do them myself. I get this idea of what something should look like, how it should feel, how it should smell, whatever it is. This is what God's direction looks like. But if I've already got a road, the seed, him, the sower, capital S, sower, sows those seeds on the road. See, there's two, there's two different ways that you can sow. There's one method of sowing where you just throw them out. And there's another intentional method of sowing where you find some good dirt, some good soil, and you poke a hole down there to the predetermined depth that the scientists say that we should plant them. And you put that seed in there and you put it in a dark place. Right? So, but this sower, he wasn't doing that. He was just throwing them. He wasn't specifically trying to put it in one spot. And if you have a road already going somewhere, your seed's not going to be good or valid. He says that some fell on rocky places. Whose fault is it if there is rocks in your dirt? If I have rocks in my dirt, whose fault is that? If I know there's a rock in my dirt, I should do my due diligence to remove that rock. That thing I keep tripping on I've talked about before. And sometimes... Like I mentioned before, you, don't, you can't see the rock, so you need somebody to come say, hey, bro, there's a rock there. <laughs> right? But how many of us would receive that very well? So I talked before about how we need to be lights so we can just stand there and illuminate the rock without talking. So if I have a rock in my dirt, my seed can't grow. Said some fell in rocky places. Why? Because they have not been cultivated. They haven't been prepared ahead of time for the seed. Lack of preparation. How many would say that you think that you've probably, God, the sower, has sowed seed on you and your dirt wasn't ready? I think there's probably a lot of opportunities I've missed because my dirt wasn't ready. So get your dirt ready. Right? Because there was, there was a lack of preparation. Uh, we think he just, he just does it all. But he gives us stuff to do. I've heard it said before that God never made the first chair. He made trees. And the problem is in the church, we're being taught to ask God for chairs. And he gives us something to do. There's something to being a Christian. There's something to walking out this thing that we call Christianity. So there is a lack of preparation. He talks about thorns. There is thorns. Worry entangles us. So was these thorns there after the seed got placed or before? They were there before. There was already a lot of worry going on before these seeds even got thrown there. It was something that was already cultivated Something that wasn't dealt with ahead of time. 
So if it would have been dealt with ahead of time, then maybe it wouldn't have been a problem. And those worries and the cares would not have caused a problem for them. We get that with finances. How many would say you've had financial problems in your life? I mean, we get that with finances where if we don't prepare ahead of time, how many know you're not going to be able to do something? There's people in this church that have made specific efforts to pay things off, to get things out of their life. Why? So we're available to say yes. There's a lot of things I haven't been able to say yes into my life because I strap myself down with dumb things. Most of the time it's so you can hang a TV on your wall or do something that doesn't really benefit your life. You know? You got people who are in that ever-ending circle of vehicle loans that they can just never get ahead of themselves because they just keep trading in and trading in and trading in, and they're like, oh, man, I just never have enough. Well, stop buying cars. <laughs> you know? Keep one around for a little while. You know? Don't buy more than you can afford. It's simple stuff that everybody should learn in school. But we strap ourselves down. That's, that's the stuff that gets in our dirt. Worry. Because we strapped ourselves down. I, I want to see a, the kingdom of God completely free from all that stuff so we can actually do something. You know, how many things could we do if we weren't strapped down with worry? It's good preaching. I've been there, guys. I, I'm, I've been there. And uh, it's not fun places to be when you get stuck there. The last place that seed gets thrown is on good soil. And there it produces because of preparation. See, in Luke 14, uh, 28, he talks about counting the cost. No, no, no king goes to war without first calculating whether or not he has what it takes to overcome the king he's going to war with. I'm not telling you to go to war with nobody. But you need to know if you can handle what's coming or try to settle it over here without getting yourself in trouble. See, there, you count the cost. You want to know that you're ready. You don't want to buy you a ticket and fly somewhere unless the Lord tells you to do that ahead of time and know that you ain't going to have what you need when you get there. How many of y'all go on vacation without luggage? How many of you take more than you need? Just in case. Why we need seven pairs of swim trunks? Just in case you don't want to wash them. I mean, how many people prepare? But why don't we do that in life? In Romans 13, 14, it says, Make no provision for the lusts of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. That's preparation. Because those, those things, when we, when we make provision for these things, we're giving them a place to live. And Paul is saying, don't, don't do that. Don't pre-allocate a reservation for something to live in your life. Say that again. Don't pre-designate a reser reservation for something to live in your life. 
Like those things find room when they get there, right? You know, like I've said before, that there was no room for Jesus. Why? Because there wasn't a reservation for him. It was all filled up. So, you know, when things come knocking on your door and saying, hey, uh, we need to stay here. I mean, like, there's no room for you here. There's no room. No room for you here. Make no provision. No provision. Matthew 13, verse 24. Y'all have all heard of the wheats and the tares. Starting at verse 24, it says, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to the man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. Explanation point. An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, for while you are gathering the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow them both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now I know that Jesus goes on and gives an explanation of this later about what he's talking about. But I want to specifically talk to the references that he's making in agriculture here. First of all, have you ever thought you sowed good seed only to have somebody else come question whether or not you did something right? I mean, they're like, hey, hey, didn't you sow good seed? Didn't you have, did you have bad seed? Does everybody know what a tear is? It's a counterfeit. It's not real to wheat. Looks like wheat when it's small. The thing is, there is ancient legal sources that show us that Feuding rival farmers occasionally did sow poisonous plants in other people's fields. Did you know that? These farmers would intentionally go sow poisonous plants in other people's fields. Maybe because they didn't have what they thought somebody else had. They made provision. A tear is a poisonous plant. It's not just a weed. So if you read it in the NIV translation, it would say weed. Well, it is a weed, but there's a lot more to it. It's a poisonous weed. A lot of times they would take it and use it to get high off of back in the day. And that's what this thing was for. 
And if you had some of these tares mixed in with your wheat, how many know that probably wouldn't be very good? And what happens with tares is tares actually need human assistance to keep going. So how many's heard of seed saving in here? You save seeds. You take seeds and you reuse them next year. But if you have a seed that has been altered, it's, it's not going to give you the same fruit or vegetable every time because it's been altered, genetically modified. So these tares, they need us humans to help pack them away and sow them next year. They need us to keep them going. One of the interesting things, though, is tares will always weave themselves into the root system when they're young before you even know what they are. So sometimes we can have stuff get in our field, weave themselves in the root of what we need to keep, and now we got a problem. Now we have a big problem. They're toxic. It's interesting that there's very specific things that you have to do to seed save. You can't just take a seed out of something and just stick it in a bag and, and use it again, right? How many think that we're, we're seed carriers? We carry seed to plant. Sometimes seed is money. You can sow it somewhere. Sometimes you can be an answer to somebody's prayer with money. If you've prepared ahead of time, you can be an answer to, to sow into somebody's life. So it's interesting, though, that I learned that if you wanted to seed save a tomato plant, how many have seen the gooey stuff that's inside of a tomato and it's got all the little seeds in it? So people try to take that stuff and just put it in the dirt and grow it. But that gooey stuff that's around the seed is specifically there to stop that seed from germinating inside that tomato. It's specifically there to hold that seed. So the only way that you can plant that seed and be successful is there's a process that you have to take that goop, rinse all of it out. Nope. You have to put it all in a jar with water, and that stuff will separate. And then you can separate that seed out from that goop that stops it from germinating, and then now you can do something with it. See, there's always a process. So the seeds that you have, there's a process to managing those seeds in your field, in your dirt. One of the problems that we have for not being successful is we focus a little on everything instead of a lot on a few things. I'll read it again. 
One of the problems we have for not being successful is we focus a little on everything instead of a lot on a few things. See, maybe that's one of these farmers' problems. See, they want to be like the farmer down the road, and since the farmer down the road's doing what they think they want to do, they go and pollute their crop. Instead of realizing, maybe that ain't the crop they're supposed to be sowing. See, we don't all like it. We don't all in the church have to look alike. And all the churches down the road don't have to be doing the same thing. But we do need to be sowing the provisions we're supposed to sow. Or else when, when the time comes, we're not going to have what we need to pitch into whatever it is that God's got up his sleeve that everybody's trying to figure out. This has nothing to do with what I want to say, but this is a bonus. Because somebody needs to hear this. I put it down for you. Sometimes we hang out with people who validate our fears instead of challenging our promise. Sometimes we hang out with people who validate our fears instead of challenging our promise. See, if we know something's there in our field, we can get rid of it out of our field. But if we don't do anything about it, that's on us. Because we didn't do anything about it. Now we know, and we didn't do something with it. That's on us. There's a story of a man who planted seeds and had a harvest, and he put it in his barn. And then he had some more seeds, and he planted them, and he put them in his barn. And then he had some more seeds, and he planted them. And there was no more barn to put his seeds in. So you know what he did? He says, I know what I'll do. I'll build me bigger barns. But first I'm going to tear down the barns I got. And then I'm going to build bigger barns. Foolish man, he says. Your life is required of you today. And now somebody else is going to get everything you work for. Stop building barns and start feeding people. Stop feeding barns and start feeding people. Does anybody hear me? We build a lot of barns to hold a lot of stuff. Not just material, but we build a lot of barns and make a lot of accounts for things to have provision to live at. Meanwhile, we're supposed to be using those things to feed people. Come on. Come on. 
Paul says, some of us should be teachers by now. See, he says, I want to teach you more things. But I got to get you to stop building barns to hold more stuff. You know how I know this is a true statement? Because there's a dying world. We, we make small elemental changes in our communities, and I'm grateful for those things. But the gospel has been alive on this earth for a long time. A long time. And I don't know about y'all, but I just kind of feel like it should look a little bit different. So we have to stop building barns and stop feeding People. Interesting thing about wheat is the way that you can tell it's wheat is by two things. One, wheat is very heavy when it, when it fully matures and it bows. God exalts the humble. It bows. But see, tares, which is a counterfeit, turns black and has no weight to it and stands up tall and proud. And that's how you know, because you can judge by the fruit that's produced. So I ask you, what is in your field? We all got some tares in our fields that we can get rid of. Problem is, I think it's so entangled in our life that it gets hard because now those things have entangled in the good stuff. And now if I uproot it, I might mess up the good stuff. But there's good news because the Lord knows how to cut those things away. So you don't talk about that in the story, but he's got a scalpel and he knows how to cut those things specifically away to get those things out of our life if we ask for help. So what is in your field? So if y'all just want to stand with me, I don't think I need to say too much more about that. I just know that there's a lot of us that are already in the mindset of trying to prepare, and we need the body as a whole to prepare not just a few of us to prepare. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. Also, if you would like to partner with us, you can go to thewaylithy.org forward slash donate. See you next week, and may God bless you and your family.